Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Lots of people very angry at Governor Ron DeSantis, at Governor Greg Abbott, because they've made it clear that our problem with the border needs to be understood and that it isn't incumbent upon Texans, nor Floridians, nor the people of Arizona or Californians or people of New Mexico to have to deal solely and exclusively with the federal government's ineptness at the border. If everyone feels the pain, shares the pain, maybe, possibly, things will get done. And of course, this is decried as a humanitarian crisis and an abuse of people. The people of Texas are getting abused every single day, and the federal government doesn't seem to care. And the people of Chicago and New York and Los Angeles and D.C., they don't care. It's their problem. They'll claim to be these sanctuary cities or sanctuary states, like in Massachusetts or in other spots. But what are they really willing to do? It goes along with the line, you know, uh, I disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. What are the odds that one of these people would actually defend to the death your right to say anything or mine? Do I really believe as a host, as a guy who does content every single day of my life, that there's people out there who disagree with me who will actually put their lives on the line for my ability to say so? Of course not. Of course I don't believe this. I'm often left to wonder whether or not they're thinking about doing things to me. Because, well, we see that far too often, whether it's about cancel culture, whether it's about boycotts, whether it's about going after sponsors, all sorts of stuff. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, guys. It's good to be with you. I don't know if I'm hot on this issue, but I, I, I am left to marvel at the pseudo-intellectualism of people saying you can't do this with human beings. We can't do what we do at the border with human beings, and we do it constantly. We've been doing it for years with no willingness to solve the problem. But now sharing the burden that the border creates on specific states, that's beyond the pale? Stop it. That's not an argument. I had people on Twitter say to me, "Uh, it's interesting how you, Tony, would be okay with just moving people about. Isn't that what they did to Jews in the Holocaust? You want to make a Holocaust comparison? You're more than welcome to. The problem is you're a fool. Nobody rounded these people up. They came freely of their own volition, and they didn't make the trek saying, we're going to get to Texas. They said, we're going to get to the United States. Chicago's part of the United States. There you go. D.C. is part of the United States. There you go. That's why Governor Greg Abbott sent two busloads of illegal immigrants to the Naval Observatory. In Washington, D.C., there's another name for the Naval Observatory, and that is the Vice President's Residence. He sent two busloads of immigrants, of uh, of illegal immigrants, to Kamala Harris's doorstep. Maybe then she can actually get an understanding of the root causes. She's the border czar. She doesn't go to the border. She isn't doing anything because she doesn't know how. Remember, she's not competent. The administration doesn't have grown-ups. And even if they had grown-ups, they ascribe to an ideology that says open borders. People believe the border is open, and this administration has done nothing to remove that theory from people. So why shouldn't those people expect to be welcomed in? They come thinking that they're going to be welcomed in. And then Texas is left to deal with it. You've got towns of 10,000 that get that, you know, 30,000 that get 10,000 illegal immigrants 
a week. What are they supposed to do? Just suffer in silence? They're not suffering in silence. They are speaking up very loudly and very clearly. Uh, over there uh, on Fox and Friends today, uh, Griff Jenkins was there when uh, people just, you know, uh, showed up. The busloads uh, showed up and he was interviewing people. That's right, Ainsley, Brian, Steve, good morning. Just a few minutes ago, two buses showed up. We confirmed with officials in Texas Governor Abbott's office that they are. Uh, there's a total of 101 migrants. There's 53 on one bus, 48 on the other, both buses originating in Eagle Pass, Texas. And we're meeting some of the migrants. What's your name, sir? Wazir Khan. Wazir, and where are you from? We're from Venezuela. Venezuela. And do you know where you are? Yeah, you know we are. We are in Washington, D.C., in front of the White House. This is in front of Vice President Harris's uh, uh, home. Okay, thank you. Yeah, did they tell you that you were going to go to the Vice President Harris's house? Yeah, no, they tell me. Just no. They did, just now. And, and who are you here with? My family. This is your family? Yeah, my family. And... and what would you like to say? Would you like to say anything to Vice President Harris, who lives in the house behind you? My gratitude to America, to all the people in America, and we need help, you know, to go to, to New York. We want to go to New York. And, and do you believe that you are welcome to come to the U.S.? Do you believe that Vice President Harris is inviting you to the U.S.? Yeah, that's true. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not 100% sure if the man understood the question. I appreciate Griff asking it uh, the way he did, and I certainly appreciate someone who is appreciative of being in the United States. But if you're not coming legally, if you're not coming legally, well, then that's the ball game. If people believe that they are welcome to come to the United States, regardless of law, they can just walk over and they'll be accepted, that's madness. You know who understands this? Eric Adams, the mayor of New York. And we're not going to be like those municipalities and states where we fly people to Martha's Vineyard, where we put people on buses uh, and have them fail to get the basic items they need. And anyone who states that this administration does not have a handle on this crisis, they must been, have been sleeping under a rock. Oh, my mistake. He thinks the administration has a handle on this. Oh, well. I wanted to give him credit. I wanted to give him credit. I, I guess I can't. What handle do you believe the administration has? When the administration is pressured from people like the squad day in and day out, uh, many of which uh, come from your New York City, and they don't believe in a border to begin with. You really believe that the administration has a handle on the border crisis? Okay. All right. Meanwhile, he's also said that New York is nearing a breaking point, and so has um, uh, the mayor of D.C., that D.C. is nearing a breaking point with all the illegal immigrants that they're taking in. The country is too. So why don't we do something about it? Instead of the screaming and yelling at two governors, or, or three when we had the governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, why don't we do something about it? Wouldn't that be the rational course, the decent course? The, the, basic, the basic mind tells you yes. Let's not allow illegal immigration at all. 
let us have a system of legal immigration because we want immigrants. That is who we are at our core. This is good and valuable. Only America can create more Americans by saying, uh, here, here are our laws and here's the idea. If you're in, join us. You can't do that with any other nation. It just can't be done. Something very special about the United States, and we should celebrate this. This should be revered, but you cannot have any reverence for saying, yes, you can just cross over and we don't have any checks whatsoever and we'll pay you. This is madness. Texas and Florida are not here to take the abuse. And of course, CNN, digging deep on this, went to Ken Burns. I'm sorry, who? Not, not Mr. Burns. Release the hounds. No, not that Mr. Burns. We're talking about the filmmaker, Ken Burns, who went down this road. It's basically saying that you can use a human life that is as valuable as yours or mine or Lynn's and to put it in a position of becoming a political pawn in somebody's authoritarian game. This is the uh, coming straight out of the authoritarian playbook. This is what's so uh, disturbing about DeSantis, is to use human beings, to weaponize human beings for a political purpose. It's like when somebody disagrees with him in Florida, like the Walt Disney Company, he punishes them. This is not the actions of a person participating in a democratic process in which there's an exchange of ideas. This is about punishing political enemies, putting on uh, shows, political shows, political theater. And in this case, this is with the lives of human beings. And what's so ironic is these are Venezuelan refugees, which DeSantis should be supporting because they're trying to flee the, the corruption of a left-wing government. And Why isn't DeSantis being supportive? Let's break down the inarticulate nature of Ken Burns's argument here. You're not being supportive if people who are escaping the horror show of Venezuela come to the United States and don't get to stay in Florida. Why can't they be in Washington, D.C.? We didn't send them to another country. They're still in the United States. How is it possible that somehow that's abusive or authoritarian? Of course it's not. Not in any way, shape, or form. What an irrational point of view that they can only be allowed exactly where they cross the border and they're the ones who have to deal with it. That is a foolhardy argument. I must say, to say that it's authoritarian, to say that these people are being used as pawns, no, that's what Representative Ocasio-Cortez does when she goes down to the border during the Trump administration and cries her fake tears at the fence where there are no illegal immigrants being held. But yet it's been two years of Joe Biden and she hasn't been to the border once and there have been no tears. That, my dear friends is theater. That is utilizing illegal immigrants, human beings, for political purposes. It took me all of seven seconds to break this down because that's exactly how the rational mind works. The problem that the political left has in this conversation is that they don't have a good argument. They don't have a good argument for their open borders policy. And worse, it actually opens people up to the recognition that they have an open borders policy. Because the borders to the United States, not to Texas. So what does it matter if they got dropped off in Omaha, Nebraska? Part of the United States. Still better than Venezuela, baby.
Now, uh, D.C., all right, maybe you'd be better off in Omaha, Nebraska. But you get my point. By the way, I live, my beloved Indianapolis, do I not think that eventually uh, a couple busloads of people won't come here? Eventually, I would assume that a couple of busloads will come here. Remember, Indianapolis, if it wasn't for the state of Indiana saying you cannot become a sanctuary city, Indianapolis would have done it. The progressives that run Indianapolis and have hurt and harmed Indianapolis, they would have done it. And then they'd be the ones complaining that somehow DeSantis or Abbott are inhumane. If you are a sanctuary city, you should be saying, yes, we'll take them. When you get upset about people being delivered at your doorstep who came to the country and you're a part of the country, but you specifically made the claim that we're the most welcoming and then you don't welcome them, what is it that actually you are saying? You're saying that it was all theater. And Ken Burns should be looking at those mayors and those governors who engaged in the theater. They are the ones utilizing human beings as political pawns, as props. They are the ones who want to say Texans just have to suck it up. And Floridians and New Mexicans and Californians and the people of Arizona just have to suck it up. Too bad. They get to walk around without a care in the world. Everybody else has to figure out how they're going to afford these things. No, let New York and D.C. and Martha's Vineyard figure it out. Martha's Vineyard got two plane loads of people from Governor Ron DeSantis. Okay. Why, why shouldn't Martha's Vineyard uh, have to recognize the issue? And now that the issue is recognized, why don't we do something to solve it? Why don't we just solve the issue? Why are we still going through the madness we could just solve it? I had suggested the Indiana plan. Now, I'm, I must tell you, I don't have yet a totality of, of what that could be. My theory was, was that you take the entire Indiana congressional delegation, Republicans and Democrats, and say, this is the plan. Why don't we have this plan for immigration and put it out there? We've got uh, nine congressional seats here. So seven Republicans, two Democrats put together a plan. Go. Well, they, they need something. A recognition that illegal immigration will never be tolerated, that we're going to shut the border to illegal immigration. And, oh, by the way, if you're caught coming across the border with fentanyl, you will never be allowed in the U.S., neither will any family member of yours. If we could trace anybody to you, we will throw them out no matter how young they are. Fentanyl. Well, that's, that's straight out, and I'm in favor of even more serious things to do if somebody's bringing fentanyl across the border. I'd love to see it. Man, I don't know, maybe South Carolina will figure it out. That delegation, if somebody needs to start the action in Congress and Congress needs to act and put people on the record like Representative Ocasio-Cortez and the squad that don't believe in anything at the border, they want open borders. They don't, uh, she is a woman who voted against new beds at the border because she doesn't believe there should be any beds. Why should anybody be stopped at the border? It's who she is. It's who the squad is. It's who the progressives are. And this is one of the many reasons we never see any action. Because they want the issue so they can claim, look how inhumane those Republicans are. Can we stop it with the garbage and just get into solving the problem? And until the problem is solved, Chicago, Martha's Vineyard, D.C., Delaware, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, yeah, people are just going to end up on your doorstep because they want to come to America.
So just be welcoming. Or we can solve the problem. It's totally your choice. I'm Tony Katz. The good people at Ford Motor Company want the dealers to really, really, really buy in on electric vehicles because they're chasing Tesla. They're like, these people figured it out. Why don't we go make some of that money? I don't think uh, they proved it through the EMOC, but what they're asking, I, I guess the EMOC looks cool. I haven't driven one, but like a Mustang should be a Mustang. And I should, I, I should be clear that the new Mustang, holy cow, the new Mustang, um, all gas. <laughs> uh, I just don't know if I like the look. There's something, I, I, the Mustang, first of all, Tony Katz, hey, how are you? Was it in, like like the new Mustang, I, I've really enjoyed, like that 2020 look. But the there was a look from like, was it the early 2000s? It was a little more rounded um, kind, kind of thing. And, and, and so they went, it seems like they went back to that. So my first glance is like, wait, is this, is this the look I want? Um, the, the, the dark horse, the 2024 Ford Mustang dark horse. I don't, I don't know. Maybe in person, it would look different than the, the, than, than the photos. I'm just glad that there is a gas version. Um, I'm very appreciative of this. They are looking for, Ford is asking, uh, the dealers to invest upward of a million dollars for upgrades to sell all electric vehicles meaning chargers and, uh, uh, you know, all, all sorts of ways to, to fix these kinds of, of, of vehicles. Investments of 500 grand or 1.2 million, dealers in the higher tier will receive elite certification and be allocated more electric vehicles. And the dealers have until the end of October to make a decision and until the end of the year to make the investments. I think it's a weird... I don't know if that's a weird thing to put on the, the dealers. Maybe this is the way it works. Then again, I got to admit, I, I, I have nothing against auto dealers at, at all. I think more auto dealers should be sponsors of this show. Uh, I the, the, the whole dealer model is peculiar, right? Like the whole dealer model, the idea you have to go through a dealer, why shouldn't the auto manufacturer be able to sell just direct? I've never... I've never understood how that worked and, and how that ever came to be. It never made, never made sense. Is it wrong to say to the dealers, hey, uh, you got you to gotta become EV certified. We're going to press you to be EV certified. I guess maybe the dealer doesn't have to do it. But I got to imagine in one way or another, a lot of dealers are going to be like, yes, this is going to be helpful uh, to our sales. The investment of a million dollars in this market, that's a hard pill to swallow. I just don't want Ford going all electric. If the Mustang is any uh, encouragement, that isn't the case just yet. Going all electric, I got to tell you, it's a bad plan. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. Everything woke will eventually bite you in the butt. And I am a believer, a believer that... In the next five years, businesses will realize, holy crap, this was a mistake. This whole idea of having a DEI officer, a huge mistake because DEI is bigotry. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you guys. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. That's, that's how you do it. That's uh, where you go and get to be a part of what it is that's going on. 
This story is about the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense has an equity chief. Well, that's a problem. Her name, uh, Kalisa Wing, W-I-N-G. She is the Chief Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Officer at the Department of Defense Education Activity and describes herself, according to the reporting, as a woke administrator. Well, we already knew what we were in for. But the story is um, that she is somebody who writes things like, I'm so exhausted at these white folks uh, in these uh, professional development sessions. This lady actually had the caudacity to say that black people can be racist too. First, exhausted at these white folks? That in and of itself, that bigoted language cannot be allowed anywhere. You can be exhausted with people. I'm exhausted with people's uh, politics. White folks, that's bigotry. If you don't think that that's bigotry, well, you're not thinking. I don't, I don't want to be kind about it. I don't want to be loving or, or sweet about it. Let's discuss the fact that you're just a bad person who thinks that bigotry is okay because it's directed at white people and that's got to be fine. None of it's fine. That's the whole point. But the best is, she says, this lady actually had the caudacity to say that black people could be racist too. I didn't say audacity, caudacity. Like Caucasian. Get it? Get it? It's the caudacity. And then she continues, I had to stop the session and give Karen the business. Karen? Oh, you mean you called her a Karen because white people are Karens. Okay, so you're just finding ways to insult people who happen to have uh, um, uh, white skin. Okay, but that's not bigotry at all or something. The problem with this, of course, is that there are way too many people who fall under the DEI specter as some kind of expert who absolutely believe this. They believe this. On another uh, occasion, uh, she writes, I'm exhausted by 99% of the white men in education and 95% of the white women. Where can I get a break from white nonsense for a while? This continues repeatedly from this woman. But it's really not about her. It's about what DEI is. DEI is bigotry. For example, if you believe in DEI, you might actually believe in the concept of something called white privilege, which was created by Robin D'Angelo. White privilege is a way of defending against any criticism of DEI. Because if you don't accept it, well, that's, that's your white privilege. Or, 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 or actually not white privilege, white fragility. That's your white fragility. That was Robin D'Angelo. You see, you just can't handle the reality. Well, that's wonderfully convenient for you. My response is kiss off. Doesn't matter if you think I'm fragile or not. What matters is you're engaged in bigotry and you're looking now for shields to defend yourself so you can continue to be bigots. I'm not interested in your bigotry. I don't think you should have any say in, in, in schools or, or in businesses because if there's not a possibility that you can bring about something better for the business, you can only destroy the people who work there. 
in a book about white privilege that she co-created. White privilege hurts a lot of people. If you are white, you might feel bad about hurting others or you might feel afraid to lose this privilege. Overcoming white privilege is a job that must start with the white community. I don't know what to say about any of that. Except if you believe that people are guilty for their existence, not for something they've done, but how they were born, you're not a good person, and you certainly shouldn't be near children, and you certainly can't create a culture within a business that creates value. You can't. There's no possible way. If you say to me uh, that it's it's really good to understand uh, a customer base or it's really good to understand employees and you got to actually get to know people and know about uh, their experiences to understand what moves them, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I don't need a DEI officer for that. As a matter of fact, the fact that you tell me you need a DEI officer says to me you weren't really good at your job to begin with. The state of Indiana has a DEI officer, a cabinet-level position. I've met her once. Lovely enough. I don't I don't argue that. I forget where we were. I mean, if we didn't sit and have a conversation or anything like that, it wasn't a meeting. It wasn't anything uh, uh, formal or official at an event. Hello, how are you? That was... That was um, that that was it. That 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 was the everything. If you tell me she's there because you want to take a look at the state of Indiana, like any state might, and say, do we have anything on the books that creates a roadblock for someone based on skin color? I want to get rid of those roadblocks. There should be nothing on a government level that creates a roadblock for anyone. I would, of course, want to get rid of it. Did they exist in the past? Absolutely they existed in the past. It's like the concept of redlining. Redlining is real. Redlining was saying, oh, uh, you, 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 can't, you can't get a mortgage for that house in that neighborhood, but this neighborhood over here, we could, we could get you a mortgage there. So you ended up moving people into areas that were not as uh, affluent. Therefore, the property values didn't go up. So therefore, if you want to talk about the creation of wealth, it was stunted. That happened. And if you want to throw people in jail for that, you feel free. It did happen to black Americans. It also happened to Koreans and Jews. Just discussing the facts. The whole other side of the tracks thing absolutely happened. I don't think we have to deny American history or reality and the effect that it had because it had a real effect on the creation of wealth. But you don't solve the problem, you can feel the air quotes, by saying, well, you see, that's because you, born six years ago, are a bigot. That's nonsense. When Israel was formed, Jews were thrown out of nations all around the Mediterranean. Thrown out. Didn't get to take their property uh, in terms of items. Their actual physical property, the land, was taken from them. There's Israel. Go. Goodbye. Goodbye. Of course it wasn't right. Of course it was wrong. And they got to Israel and they just started building their lives. The point that I make is you don't have to pretend that the history didn't happen. The history happened. What you have to do is take a look at where we are now and how we move forward. 
reparations won't solve anything because there's never a number that you can reach and telling people they're guilty for their existence won't solve anything because it just further divides people which is of course the point they want people to be divided they want people to feel pain yes why is that so wrong to say it's nuts it's as nuts as redlining it's horrific why shouldn't we say so? Me, I say so. Diversity, equity, inclusion does not actually believe in anything that is diverse and does not believe in inclusion because I never get a seat at the table and I'm willing to bet cash money you don't either because they don't mean diversity of thought. They don't mean inclusion of people who might think like me or talk like I do. They don't. Well, since you aren't interested in diversity of thought, I can't accept anything else you believe is diversity because that in and of itself is bigotry. The only diversity that matters is diversity of thought. And you can think I'm terrible and not invite me to your parties. I've talked about this, for example, about the public accommodation. I oppose the public accommodation in the United States. If you are a business owner, you have a, you have a restaurant, and you want to put up a sign, clear as day, right there. Wait, is that the way? Right there. Uh, we don't serve white people. I think you can do that. We don't serve Jews. I think you're allowed to do that. I don't think it's right. I think you're pretty messed up. I think you're running garbage business, and I don't think you'll be in business for long. But if we were to actually be people who believed in freedom, why shouldn't you be allowed to do that? It's wrong? We're not arguing whether or not it's wrong. We're arguing whether or not somebody has the right. Well, they shouldn't have a right. Why, why shouldn't they have the right? It's their business. It's their investment. Why shouldn't they be able to do it? You want me to take it out of that context? Here, let me put it into this context. A restaurant should be allowed to have a smoking section. Well, we can't have that because secondhand smoke, don't go into the restaurant, don't work at the restaurant. But why is it that we have allowed laws that tell restaurant owners, business owners, how to run their business down to the marketing? Why can't they have smoking sections? Well, it's for their health. No, it's not. It's for you to feel better. It's for you to think you did something good. People who want to be around it can, and people who don't want to, don't have to. That's the correct argument. You don't have to go there. If you don't like what I say on radio, you can change the station. Now, uh, based on, uh, on ratings, nobody does. And thank you, Boo Bear. I appreciate you listening. Yes, I do. You have choices. And that's a good, smart, and valuable way to live. If I want to have smoking in my restaurant, I should be able to. And it's wrong that government says I can't. Wrong. You could say that I'm wrong for having smoking in my restaurant. And you're entitled to that position. And then you don't have to go there. If somebody doesn't want to allow Jews in, I'm Jewish, somebody doesn't want to allow Jews in, okay, that's, that's how you run your business. I'm going to let nine people know, uh, or, or 900 or 9,000 people know on social media, and then that's going to be that. But you get to run your business. You don't want to serve white people? All right, don't serve white people. What do you want from me? Jordan Peele... The director, the actor, the comic says he's making movies. He's not hiring white actors in, in lead roles because he's seen that movie already. Okay. No one says, well, I guess some people have said, how dare you, but they're wrong. What a bigoted thing to do. 
He's a director. He's making movies. He has a vision for how he wants the movie to look. What is the the controversy now about the Little Mermaid? That the Little Mermaid, I, I, I guess, is is they've did a remake of the Little Mermaid, and the Little Mermaid is black. Am I supposed to care? Was there any rule about the color of a mermaid? Is it woke? I don't know. Maybe. Do I care? No. Is there any question at all? Now, maybe less now since we've seen so many more things come out. Is there any question at all that there is, uh, uh, seriously, people who are black or people who are Asian, people who are Hispanic, who see people who look like them on TV and say, well, what do you know? Leslie Jones was from Saturday Night Live. I don't know if she's still on Saturday Night Live. Tall black woman who said the first time she ever saw Whoopi Goldberg on TV in some series or whatever, she said to her mother when she was a kid, look, she looks like me. I think that's legit. That's real. That makes sense. You see someone who looks like you, you're like, well, I guess I could do that too. Of course that's true. You want to cast The Little Mermaid with, with a black mermaid? Knock yourself out. It's a live-action adaptation of the, the animated. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no argument. No anger. Just make a good movie. Make a good movie and people will watch it. People want to get angry about the woke of, ah, go, go live your life. Go, go, go be angry somewhere else. The producers were more than welcome to make that decision. And I believe restaurateurs can make their decisions. They can do this. Now that's ugly, but that's what freedom is. Freedom allows people to make bad decisions and then learn from those bad decisions. DEI is ugly because they don't actually believe in diversity or inclusion because I never get included. My thoughts aren't allowed and you then make the claim that people who are born a certain way are guilty guilty for their existence and you think that that's valuable you think that that's going to help it is divisive and it is ugly and it is evil as divisive as let's say um not serving uh white people or black people or jewish people or gay people in your restaurant I think that's I think it's pretty divisive. But you know, they can do it with their private business. Doing it through uh through race, through through this idea of of telling people they're guilty for their existence, doing it on a federal level as we're seeing from the DOD, that's what we have to say oh hell no to. I would get rid of all DEI officers and private businesses that have DEI officers uh, next 5 years they'll realize what a mistake they have made. I'm Tony Katz. The Fetterman-Oz debate is gonna happen October 25th. Grab your popcorn. I know, I know, it's a Senate debate from Pennsylvania. But still, but still, John Fetterman has committed to this debate. I, I'll see it. When I see it, I'll believe it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. That's all there is to it. John Fetterman had a stroke, Democrat. He's lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, had a stroke before the primary. And he's not okay. Now, he's always been an odd dude, an awkward dude, a weird dude, this, this 
lummox type. But, I mean, a stroke is, is, is awful. I wouldn't wish it on, on anybody. In some televised conversations, he can't really put together a sentence. It's, it, the, the, it's not all there. His mind is not putting together cogent conversations. And so people have been asking, is this guy really up to a run for office, never mind serving as Senate? As a senator, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, is, I believe that's his hometown paper, said, this is a legitimate question. We don't know if he's up to doing this. So now they've agreed to a debate. It's two weeks before the election on November 8th. It'll take place October 25th. According to Rebecca Katz, no relation, senior advisor to the Fetterman campaign, we've said from the start that we do a debate, which John reiterated, reiterated very clearly again last week. Enough distractions. It's time to talk about issues. And what's the question they want to ask Oz? Would you vote for the Republicans' national abortion ban or would you vote against it? You think that's what's moving the people of Pennsylvania? Not inflation? Not supply chain? Okie doke. How about fracking and energy security? That might play big in Pennsylvania. You think it's abortion. That's what they're going to... One topic debate? We'll see. We'll see if Fetterman shows up. Find everything at TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today.